Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello, you're listening to the latest episode of Prem Talk from the Matchday FM podcast. Yes, there is more football this week, another midweek round of matches in the Premier League. And we'll dissect what just happened uh, at the weekend. Uh, let's face it, you've got nothing better to do than watch all the games and then listen to us. Uh, Joe Richardson joined by two of the brightest brains on Matchday FM, Sam Jordan and Valve Baines. Hello, gents. Even Joe. Hello. The, jo- the joys of, work, of uh, working virtually, isn't it, Sam? <laughs> One of us has got to go. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're good, Joe. We're good. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can speak on behalf of Sam as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there we go. What we're going to do uh, here is um, preview, obviously, the matches this midweek and discuss which managers we think are under pressure for their jobs, I suppose. And we're actually recording this on the final day of the transfer window. Slam shut tonight at 11 o'clock. So we'll discuss who ideally teams need to get and uh, what difference potential signings could make. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Valve had a good weekend in terms of his team. Uh, unfortunately, Sam and I did not. Uh, but I'm going to run through the results quickly from the weekend. Thanks for highlighting that, Joe, by the way. Yeah, and we'll, we'll start with the uh, best one of the lot. Everton nil, Newcastle 2, followed by Crystal Palace 1, Wolves nil, big win for Palace. Manchester City continued to lead the way at the top with a 1-0 win over Sheffield uh, United. West Brom and Fulham in the basement battle drew 2-2. It was another damp squib involving Manchester United drawing away 0-0 with Arsenal. Southampton lost 0-1 to Aston Villa. Moving on to Sunday, Chelsea 2, Burnley 0. Followed by a brilliant win for Leeds, 3-1 away at Leicester. The same scoreline was repeated at the London Stadium as Liverpool beat West Ham to get back on track. And Brighton beat Tottenham by a goal to nil. Brilliant result for Graham Potter's team. So those were the results. Um, and I thought, yeah, we'd start by discussing managers and specifically managers that are under pressure because there were some interesting results that affected particularly uh, the bottom of the table at the weekend. Um, and it's been a week since Frank Lampard was sacked by Chelsea and replaced by uh, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, I know the lads covered it on the previous episode, but Sam, I wanted to get your thoughts on Lampard's departure. Um, has your opinion changed at all since uh, last week? No. No, being honest, um, I think it's a disgrace. Um, obviously, you know, I made my feelings pretty clear. Joe didn't like um, last week. Uh, I would have loved to have got on the, um, on the podcast last week to... I've let rip, so to speak. I've obviously had time to calm down now. So, um, But, no, my opinion hasn't changed. Um, I think Frank was hard done by. I feel like Chelsea, to be honest, um, are, they, they don't know what they want for me. They, they, they're very much wanting the very best results and being in contention to win the very best competitions, but then don't want to necessarily spend the money in order to do that. For the last... Five, six, seven years. Chelsea have been very self-sufficient. They've run year to year on, you know, making a profit generally, um, which you know, in terms of a business model, is very, very good. But if you want to be competing for the big trophies, you have to spend money and you have to be at times be prepared to take a loss. If you look at the likes of Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, um, you know, the teams that have been successful last year, Liverpool. Even I know Liverpool have done well over the years in terms of the net spend, but they're still spending more than what they bring in. Now, Chelsea have made a profit year on year for the last four or five years um, and they're still expecting the top, top results and for me you just can't you can't do that I mean also if you look at um, Chelsea they're sort of stuck between whether they want results or a really uh, entertaining style of play now listen there's not many managers in, in world football that can deliver both I mean we've, we're fortunate to have two in the Premier League at the moment in Klopp and uh, in Jürgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola who 
can deliver both in terms of results and in terms of the playing style, but there's not many who can. Even if you look at my, you know, my team's manager, Carlo Ancelotti, known for being more pragmatic rather than, um, you know, uh, than producing a swashbuckling style of football. So, you know, I feel like Chelsea over the years, they've, they've always had managers who are a bit more pragmatic, the likes of Ancelotti, Mourinho, Conte. And then they've always sort of got a little bit bored of them. Don't get me wrong, they've had spells where they struggle, but it's like they get bored of the football. They bring in someone who's meant to be a better brand. So over the years, Luis Felipe Scolari, uh, Andre Vs Boas, then, you know, on to, um, uh, who else had the job? Obviously Lampard, uh, Maurizio Sari. I mean, Sari was, you know, brought in for Sari ball, wasn't he? And, you know, to be honest, he failed miserably in terms of what he achieved and um, his playing style. But I feel like Chelsea need to get back to their identity. Joe, for me, the best Chelsea teams have always been good, solid defensive teams who are very, very good on the counter. It's kind of a big, powerful outfit. That's what they're built on. That's their identity. So why try and divert away from that? If that's what's been successful, stick to it. And try and stick with a manager for a bit longer than two years. I mean... Antonio Conte is one of the best managers they've had in recent times. He's been them after the second year. and I just don't understand why any top manager would want to take that job now. It's a poison chalice for me. Um, you know, he managed to pull through and they ended up finishing over in the Champions League places. I fancied them to do that again this year. Be, being honest, it's so competitive this year. You, you, Chelsea, you know, um, I've got a lot of quality in that squad and you would have fancied it to turn them around at some point. And I just feel like Chelsea, being honest, I've just been very, very hasty and I've you know, typical Roman Abramovich. What about you, Bal? I just feel, if I was playing double advocate, I, I agree with Sam Holy in what he says that he had all this stuff and the results as of late wasn't going well. But when Lampard signed for the Chelsea job, he knew he, what he was getting into and you knew what the history was before him. If Abramovich doesn't like you, that's it game over you'll, you'll, you'll be sacked and I, I feel for the current manager because like Sam said it is a poison chalice they are a great club and they are known for winning lots of trophies but there comes to a point where Abramovich does get sick and tidy it's like it's like a play thing for him the managers and the club it's, it's just it's just weird and I'm not sure you can compare Chelsea with, with other clubs because of what they do with managers like Solskjaer, you've given him time and you've started seeing the, the results sort of come in now and they start creeping up the table. Klopp gave him time to see what happened. Guardiola gave him time. Look what happened. I don't know. I just, I just believe Frank deserved, not because of his status with the club, but I think he deserved more time at that Chelsea job. And I hope whichever club he gets next, I think he does a fantastic, I hope he does a fantastic job with them. Just, just to add to that, Joe, as well, I you know, forgot to mention, Frank, you know, he was tasked with numerous different things as well. You know, he was tasked with bringing more players through from the academy. He was under a transfer ban. Um, you know, do, yeah. yeah, he brought the players through and he's been asked to change the playing style as well as get results. As Bob rightly pointed out, he would have been well aware going into that job. I think he said it publicly that he was aware that yeah. he was expected to win. And if he didn't win, he would you know, potentially lose his job. But that doesn't make it right for me. Like, to me, it's like if you ask someone to do something different from what other managers have been asked to do, then you should be given the time to do it. And one transfer window for me isn't enough. He should have, at the very, very minimum, should have been at least given to the end of the season, see out the season, and then go from there. But I just feel like, I get once again, Chelsea being a bit hasty. And um, as, you know, Bal pointed out, Jürgen Klopp was given time, Pep Guardiola was given time. These two, two of the best managers, that probably are at this moment in time, two of the best managers in club world football, right? Would have been sacked under Roman Abramovich. But how mad's that? After 18 months in the job, they both would have got sacked. Jürgen Klopp, sure, 100%. Yeah. Guardiola might have got away with it because it was his second season he was flying with, with City. But, I mean, Jürgen Klopp would have got sacked. And that, that's like embarrassing, isn't it? To think that a manager of his standing and his calibre would have been sacked by Roman Abramovich by now after everything that he's done for Liverpool. Crazy. That's a, uh, that's, that's, I, I haven't really thought about it like that. That's... Um... That's, that's very interesting. Um, I'll, I will give my opinion quickly before we move on. Um, yeah, I would have given him in, until the, the end of the season for sure. Uh, I think in this season of all seasons, every team's gone on a bad run. Yes, perhaps this is a more sustained period of bad results than the other top teams, but I just think he deserved to try and turn it around, really. I mean, obviously the Leicester... I mean, the Leicester performance is, what, is what's done him, really, I, I, I think. Um, I, I didn't see any... I didn't see anything. Anything from them. It was. It was. It was worrying. 
what he did, what I think was Frank's greatest legacy at Chelsea is that he got neutrals like in Chelsea last season, which I think is yes. the first time that's happened in the Abramovich era, bringing in young players. And, you know, it was a, I'm not a diehard Chelsea fan, but obviously there are loads of them out there. I think last season you could get behind that team. You could be proud of that team. Like, you know, that, that represents you as a Chelsea fan. Um, and now this season they really have big time reverted back to type. The first sign of trouble, a lot of money spent. They pushed the button. And, yeah. and they pushed the button <clears throat> on a man who has history of not being able to deal with big egos. He's not been able to be, deal with big egos at Paris Saint-Germain. He's now gone into a dressing room at Chelsea notorious for big big characters, big personalities and clashing with them. And Tuchel, well, he's been given an 18-month contract. Yeah, well, fair enough. He might get them into the top four next year. But would you, would you see them, Balvers, being challengers for the title next season? Not for me. Um, I'd have to... No, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think one of the biggest things Lampard did, and I think you alluded to it just now, Joe, where you, you could get behind Chelsea. I'm not a Chelsea fan, but and I think the reason why is because we're, we're that's, this is all good for England. You're like you're bringing in the likes of Mason Mount, you're bringing in the likes of Abraham, you're bringing in the likes of Rhys James. These are all good quality English players. Look into the Euros if they happen this summer. Look into the World Cup that's happening in a few years' time. This is nothing but positives for the England team and for, and for Gareth Southgate. So I think that's one of the reasons where you could get behind this Chelsea team because he was bleeding in these very, very talented, good English players. But to answer your question, Joe, I, I, I don't see them, A, sticking with, with Tuchel or doing something next season. But that's I'm notorious for doing really bad predictions, so I wouldn't <laughs> listen to a word I say. <laughs> Plenty of time for them later on, mate. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> last thing I'll say, it's not Frank Lampard's fault that Timo Werner's not been scoring goals either. So there we go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And listen, sometimes there's an adaptation period for players coming in from you know different countries. And Tim O'Vernon will take time. I fancy Tim O'Vernon to come good. I really do. Same way as I fancy Kai Abbas to come good as well. Um, I just think that they need the time. But at Chelsea, you're not going to get it. It's as simple as that. Sam, Sam, class is always permanent. Like you never, you're never going to lose it. Like they, they were both bossing it in the German league and the Bundesliga. And I think. Time, time will, time will tell, and I think they will come good. And I, w- and I think, once their confidence starts building up and start banging in those goals, getting those assists, I think they'll become major, major players for Chelsea. Yeah, probably under, probably under a different manager as well. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that was excellent. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Let's um, let's move on to talk about uh, maybe maybe not the most um, maybe not the most charismatic of managers, but uh, Steve Bruce. Then uh, a, v- a vital win for Steve Bruce and his Newcastle team, ending their wretched run of form against Everton uh, at the weekend. Um, and uh, Valve, that was that was a massive result for him, wasn't it? And um, what what improvements did you see from Newcastle against Everton? It just seemed like there was more of a togetherness. And I mentioned this in the last podcast. The whole club, just front to back, top to bottom, just seems just toxic. And before the Everton game of the weekend, it was just so dull. I was, I was just falling asleep watching Newcastle in the last few weeks. And the owner, I don't think, is helping matters either. He, he sees a club as a business, which obviously it is. And a business is there to make money. But those fans are not, are not getting what they deserve. Newcastle are a massive, massive footballing city and they deserve the best. And I think this win of the weekend would have brought up the hopes of the city and brought up the hopes of the club. And I think when Newcastle go into the next game, they'll go in with some confidence and hopefully get a result. Uh, Sam, Graham Jones has been brought in. Um, a man you'll know and remember from his time as coach at um... Everton, uh, from your knowledge, what will he bring to Newcastle? And is he what Bruce needs to make them a bit more attacking? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Graham Jones, in terms of his, his coaching career, spent a lot of time under Roberto Martinez, which is how he ended up at Everton. Um, Martinez is known for the swashbuckling style of play, very progressive, um, very attack-minded. So I feel like he will, in terms of uh, in an attacking sense, I feel like he will add to, to Newcastle um, Steve Bruce 
over the years hasn't necessarily been known for his uh, attacking brand of football. So I do feel like he, he will add a little bit of flair to Newcastle. We did see a little bit of that on Saturday. If I'm honest, I agree with Valve. I felt like the, the togetherness really was the reason why they ended up turning Everton over. Um, Everton were poor. Let's not, you know, let's not pull any punches. Everton were really poor on the day. and you know It was a good time uh, for Newcastle. Um, to play Everton, given that performance, you know it was, you know before the game you wouldn't have said that Everton have been doing all right. But I mean, considering that Everton, Everton to be fair were poor against Leicester. If we're being honest, they sort of scraped the result there, um, and they were really poor on Saturday. And you know, it's it, it, Joe. I mean, we've discussed it before. I mean, you know, if anyone's ever in a bad run of form, whether it's a football club or a player, you need to play against Everton because you'll break your duck. And you know, and that's what happened unfortunately for Everton and unfortunately for Everton's fans. But yeah, in terms of answering your question, Graham Jones, he'll bring a little bit of a spark to that Newcastle. Um, the Newcastle attack, certainly midfield, they get them uh, playing more progressive football. Um, and especially that, that, that seems to be the way Steve Bruce wants to go. He's obviously ditched the, the five at the back formation, something that's been so successful, well, I say so successful, um, had been relatively successful for Newcastle um, on the Rafa Benitez and on Bruce's first year. So he's ditched that, he's gone back to the, the back four. And yeah, I just feel like they, they will be a little bit more progressive in the way they play, a little bit more tap minded. But let's be honest, you know, although they performed out the weekend, it was more togetherness that got them through the game. Um, in terms of quality, they still lack big time. Um, and other than for Callum Wilson, I still feel like they probably would, if it wasn't for Callum Wilson, they probably would have drew the game. So, um, <laughs> because Callum Wilson really was the reason that Everton got turned over because he was good. He was very good and he's a very good striker and you know, has proved himself at this level over a few years now. I wanted to touch on um, Nuno at Wolves. Um, as far as Wolves are concerned, it's now eight without a win in the Premier League. Uh, they're still nine points above the drop, but uh, their struggles continued against Crystal Palace. Um, and Sam, I think we've we've touched on Nuno. I think you touched on him uh, in a previous FA Cup podcast. I think that, well, they just about scraped past uh, Chorley, didn't they? Um, but yeah, eight without a win in the Premier League. Uh, it's, a, it's a slide... It's a big slide. Do you, do you think he can turn it around? And if so, what, what does he need to do? Yeah, Joe, listen, Nuno under, is, is under massive pressure. I mean, Wolves, firstly, for being honest, they lack goals. Obviously, Val Jimenez is a massive miss for them. Um, was the primary uh, goal scorer for them. Um, everything, when everything was off him, you know, the likes, they've got some good players, the likes of Daniel Poldens, Pedro Neto, uh, Adama Traore going forward. But, Val Jimenez, similar to how a lot of Liverpool fans say that Firmino was the, the main man for Liverpool um, and everything goes through him. It's the same for Wolves. Val Jimenez being out is massive for Wolves. And yeah, him being missing isn't ideal. So yeah, I, I think that's where they're, where they're struggling, to be honest. They need to start scoring more goals. You know, they're only losing games by the odd goal, but it's enough, isn't it? If you can't score goals, you're not going to pick up points and... Wolves, unfortunately, find themselves in a predicament at the moment where, as you say, today's eight defeats, uh, sorry, winless in eight games, sorry, um, and struggling to get past teams, and we've seen that, no more so against Chorley in the FA Cup, where only scored one goal against the side, that's what, I mean, Chorley, I don't even know what division, uh, Conference North, are they? So, yeah, just got relegated from the Conference last year, didn't they? So, Conference North, so, I think that says it all, really. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you can you can point to the goals, but uh, I, th- I think the conceding goals I think has been the a, bit, a big concern of them obviously they've they've been they've been pretty solid the last few years maybe not the best to watch but uh certainly effective and you'd, you'd think they they'd be uh up there or last season have been the one of the best defensive teams in the league but uh definitely struggling at the back um as far as the windows concerned they brought in uh Willian Jose potentially fill the void left by Jimenez um double figures for Real Sociedad the last two seasons I don't know if there any of you have I've seen him, but uh, you seen him? Yeah, and as regards with William Jose, he's he's a he's a striker with a, a decent goal scoring pedigree. But um, as you mentioned, Joe, you know he's 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 done well in Spain, or he's he's done okay in Spain the last few years. But the way I see it with him is that he's been linked to the Premier League a few times over the last few years, William Jose, and no one's ever really gone in for him. So I think that really says it all for me. Um, if he was if he was as good as what you know, some people have made out. Someone would have took a chance on him and took him, um, and they haven't. And it's took till now where Bulls are desperate. Uh, in a January window. Yeah. yeah, in a January window for someone to go and get him. So, 
listen, I'm not saying that he won't. He, he, he's not capable of scoring a few goals. I'm, I'm guessing he is. But he, similar to how we were discussing about Chelsea before, he's going to need an adaptation period. And um, yeah, I, I just don't know what to expect from him. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't listen. You know, you know me, Joe. And I like it. I like it a little better every now and again. But I wouldn't be betting on William and Jose to, to score the goals for, for Wolves. To be honest with you, I think. Uh, to be honest, they're going to have to look to the wide boys and Podens and Neto and, and ask them to start, you know, increasing the numbers because right now they are struggling big time. They are struggling, and uh, you brought up you like a, you like a flutter, Sam. Um, yeah. Here are the latest odds on the next manager to be sacked in the Premier League uh, via odds checker. Steve Bruce is still the fav around five to two. Nuno Espirito Santo around three to one. Hodgson, Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace, five to one. Big Sam, six to one. It's seven to one, no manager to leave. And uh, Jose Mourinho, seven to one. Chris Wilder, tens. And uh, Graham Potter and Scott Parker, 14 and 16 uh, to one. Uh, if I was to give you gents uh, a tenner, who would you bet on to be the next manager sacked? Go on, Balve, you go first. I'm not a betting man, but if I had You're to, not? oh I had come to, on, mate! <laughs> uh, but if I if I had to put a tenner on, I, I'd have to go for Steve Bruce. If we take away the Everton result of the weekend, they they, they have been poor, and Mike Ashley does. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think Mike Ashley would would get rid of him. But who would come in? Would would Lampard possibly go for the Newcastle job? It's 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 a hard, it's a tough choice to make, but. If I had to put that tenor on, I'd go for Steve Bruce. Sam, who would you go for? Nine to four. Um, I think it'd either be Steve Bruce or um, or Nuno. And for me, the value's with Nuno. I'm honest. Um, the way they've been, honest to God, as you know, Joe said himself, they conceded a few goals. I don't, I don't think they've been over conceding goals, Joe. In terms, of, they haven't really been getting hammered by anyone, have they? But they've just. Every game they concede one or two goals and can't score. So then, you know, the previous Wolves teams, even last year, I mean, when you say they're known for being solid defensively, they've always like conceded a couple of goals in there. Um, you know, even when you think back to some of the games last year that they drew or even won, they've won two one or whatever. You know, they've always conceded a couple of goals, but um, they are known for being a little bit more pragmatic in their approach. Um, they've always have been a little bit more defensively minded, but yeah, you can't be defensively minded if you can't score goals and. Yeah, I, I just Sam Allardyce would be a shout as well because obviously West Brom have been struggling, but no. Sam Allardyce got a proven track record of getting teams out of trouble. So that's why I just don't think they'll get rid of him. So yeah, I, I just think the, the the smart money for me is on Nuno. Um, and if if the E doesn't get Wolves out of this shot, they I mean, listen, them Chinese owners that they've got, Folsom, they expect big things. They spent big money at that football club. You know, a lot of big money. They've got Wolves to the point of you know, I know it was Nuno who's achieved it, but. They got Wolves into European football two years on the spin. They spent a lot of money. Um, you know, even the, some of the best players. I know they've just sold uh, Jota to Liverpool for forty-five million, but they signed him for eighteen million or whatever it was, twenty million, something ridiculous like that. You know, you, you've got Raul Jimenez was thirty odd million. Neves was, you know, best part of twenty million. Um, you know, they've signed some big, you know, players for big money, and they'll be expecting a lot. And you know, if Wolves carry on this slump that they're in, you know, and teams. Around that bottom half, keep picking up points. I mean, Brighton obviously won last night. You've got um, Fulham, who, to be fair to Fulham, I know Fulham are still down there and, and still struggling, but Fulham are capable of beating anyone on the day, as, they, as they've proven, playing against... I know, I know they didn't beat Liverpool, but they should have won that game. Liverpool were poor in that game. Um, and, they've, you know, they've, they've turned over Leicester. You know, they've beaten, they've, they've, they've beaten some good sides, Fulham. So, listen, Wolves are looking over the shoulder and the owners... You know, we'll be looking over the shoulder as well. And that club, at the moment, can't afford to go down. They really can't afford to go back down. So, yeah, you ask me who will put me tenor on at the moment, Joe, I'd say new and a of Santo. Fair enough. If you want to lose a tenor, yeah, fair enough. Well, who's uh, yours? <laughs> yeah, who would you go for, Joe? Uh, I, I fancy uh, Big Sam, actually, at the prices, 6-1. to one. Um, West Brom, uh, nine points from safety, no games in hand. They've got so I've, I've looked at their fixtures because I'm such a consummate professional. Uh, they've got Sheffield United away next. If they don't win that, you could arguably say they're, well, nearly gone, I'd say. I mean, and then they play Tottenham, Man United, Burnley, Brighton and Newcastle. I mean, my word. The toughest, Tough run. 
toughest games you could think of, aren't they? Either top six clubs or relegation six. I would agree with you. Over, obviously, in terms of the fixture list and um, you know the way they've been performing normally, I would agree with you and say, yeah, they're under pressure. But the manager's Big Sam, and he's known for being a survival specialist. Regardless, I mean, even when you, you know, I remember when he first went into Everton, Everton panicked, didn't he, and brought Big Sam in, which, you know, I still don't agree with to this day. But they did. And Everton's performances didn't straight away improve. They didn't. You know, we, we still got turned over a few times uh, under Big Sam. So, um, you know, there was, I, th- I think Arsenal in particular, we got turned over. You know, there's, there's, there was a few times when we got turned over. And the thing is with West Brom, West Brom are always going to get turned over no matter who's in charge. Because quality-wise, they're not yeah, good enough. Yeah. But who's, who's got the pedigree to get them out of it? Who's out there at the moment who'd take that job? No, I, 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 think, I think it could realistically get to the stage where they're effectively relegated. And then they'll be like, well, we don't want. Or maybe we can't afford Big Sam in the Championship next season. That, that might happen, but I just fancy someone else to get sacked before that does happen. Okay, fair enough. Well, because uh, it happens, actually, with um, Alan Pardew, remember? Correct. A couple yeah. years ago. And then yeah. they, they bought in... Um, Darren Moore, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that 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 isn't beyond the uh, the realms of uh, of possibility, especially with that uh, fixture list. And I'll back my opinion. So I expect you both to do yours as well. Yeah. Listen, I will back my opinion, Joe. And then obviously, when yours doesn't come off, I'll come back and I'll mention it on a further podcast. You know? <laughs> uh, well, we haven't got to the predictions yet. Still predictions to come. Yeah. yeah. I've got to predict everything. You got to predict. Oh God, Everton. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. Well, the transfer window then uh, closes. We're recording uh, to, uh, on the deadline day itself, which closes at 11 pm. And uh, well, there's been. It's been a, a quiet January, shall we say, as um, as it often is, really. Um, Sky Sports News try and big it up, and well, it's just a bit crap, to be fair. But there we go. Um, in terms of the signings so far, we've got uh, Martin Odegaard to Arsenal on loan, one of the big ones. Morgan Sanson has joined Aston Villa, midfielder from Marseille. Jean-Philippe Mateta to Crystal Palace, a striker. They badly need a, a striker. Whether he'll do the business remains to be seen. Ahmed Diallo to Manchester United. Jesse Lingard, very interestingly, has gone on loan to West Ham. And as we said earlier, William Jose to Wolves. And it looks like Ainsley Maitland-Niles this evening is going to go to West Brom. We're not too sure on, on the other bits of business. You'll probably know a bit more than us uh, before we finish here. But uh, in terms of the departures, Meza Ozil has, of course, left Arsenal. And uh, Damari Gray gone to uh, Leverkusen, I think it was. Who hasn't left Arsenal, by the way? Yeah. After squad. Yeah. The um, staff he's gone today, eh? Mm. Cancelled. Yeah, I think they were trying. Yeah, I think he was trying to wait for the Liverpool player to sign uh, from Schalke, and then Mustafi can go to to Schalke. Oh come on, come back. We'll go. We'll go to Liverpool. I've jumped the gun, and I. You've jumped the gun, so. Liverpool <laughs> centre-backs then. So, uh, it looks like Ben Davis is set to join Liverpool from Preston. Oh, no. We mentioned Preston. Who? Should have got, should have got Ben Wignall to come on and, and give us a dossier, I think. <laughs> a report. But, uh, and so, they're in for him. And Liverpool, uh, clearly after a centre-back, they're also looking to sign Ozan Kabak from Schalke. Um, Valve, your thoughts on, uh, on that? Uh, do you think that Liverpool are paying for not making a centre-back signing in the summer. And uh, if, if, if so, do you think one of these will come in and, and, and do the job that you need them to do? I hope so, because with Van Dijk missing, and I know everyone just waxes lyrical about him, but he was such a big player for us. And you can tell by him gone. Like We've, we've just had so many centre-back pairings over the course of the season. I don't even know how to count to that amount. So... I'm hoping the, these two players that come in will sort of shore up our defence at least the end of the season. But the question I want to ask is, we've brought in a lot of young players from our academy and then they're seeing these two players coming in. How do you think that's going to deal with their confidence? 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure because Klopp always raves about the talent that's coming through from the academy. But I'm not sure if, it's, if buying these two players from Preston and Schalke is either panic or if it's good sense. But time will tell. So I'm hoping the players will come good. But it's, it's, it's an it's a awkward situation, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, if I'm honest, I mean, in terms of the two acquisitions that Liverpool are looking to make... Um, Ben Davis from Preston, you know, has, has, has done well in the Championship for Preston now for a few years. I mean, let's be honest, that's a panic buy for me. That's something that um, Liverpool obviously have been struggling in the centre back area now for you know the last couple of months, um, and they need cover. And the injuries uh, that they've been picking up, you know, they've resulted to having to play Fabinho at the back with Jordan Henderson at times. Fabinho's now picking up injuries. Henderson's picking up knocks. Um, what I would say that. Balves just mentioned, well, you know, the uh, the youth that have been given a chance, the likes of Reese Williams and uh, Nath Phillips. I feel like Nath Phillips has done all right, to be fair. He's done okay. Reese Williams, to be honest, uh, from what I've seen of him, I, I think he's got, if I'm honest, I think Reese Williams probably has a little bit more potential than Nath Phillips, but I just feel like Nath Phillips is more mature and he's ready um, to be thrown in at the deep end, whereas Reese Williams has, has shown in the games that he's played that he, he has got a mistake in him at the moment and probably needs a bit more exposure to first team football. So, um, I don't think any of the youngsters could, could really complain really about the, the two lads coming in. Um, Nath Phillips might feel a little bit agree, but then again, Nath Phillips, to be honest, probably will be the starting centre-back now for the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'd fancy him to be and, and what, playing alongside one of them two. Um, I don't feel like both new boys will go straight into the team. I feel like it'll be one of them two going in. Actually, to be honest, I feel like Ben Davis might actually um, be the one who goes straight into the team because obviously, you know, being based in this country, it'll be an easier ad- adaptation for him. Um, Whereas Kobach, obviously coming from Germany and a young lad, might take him a little bit of time to adapt. So, yeah, I feel like uh, Nath Phillips might get a run on the team. He's done quite well. So, yeah, uh, remains to be seen. Uh, are Liverpool get on with these two signings, to be honest? Um, or how the two signings perform? But let's be honest, it, you know, Ben Davis is a stock gap, isn't he? Um, until the likes of Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez and Matt are all fit again. But... Uh, as for the other lad, Kobach, I don't really know a lot about him. I know he's a bit of a prospect and, and he, he has been getting some reviews in Germany, but, you know, uh, remains to be seen how, how, he, how he does over here. In terms of the, uh, the other signings, I'm going to throw it over to you, lads, as to what you want to talk about or any potential business that, that might happen in, in, the next, uh, in the next few hours. And what, what teams do you think really need to do something between now and the deadline? There's a few, isn't there, really? I mean, you know, we touched upon one before, West Brom. A real lack of quality, really, in that squad. Um, they could do it, making a few signs. I know Big Sam's been trying to make a few signings. Um, being caught out a little bit by Brexit, which I thought was quite humorous and quite funny, considering he voted for it. So, um, but yeah, uh, they are one that definitely needs to try and pull off a few signings. Obviously, as you mentioned, Joe Ainsley Maitland-Niles looks to be on his way. That's a good acquisition for them. Uh West Ham need a striker, being honest. Um, they've got Michael Antonio, but you know he's done a really good job for them. But other than that, they're playing Yarmolenko up front. If, if Antonio's not playing, Yarmolenko for me is a winger. Um, can't really... Well, not that he can't, but he doesn't, he's not necessarily the best backup option. Um, and obviously, they sold Sebastian Haller to Ajax uh, for 20 million quid. So, if I was West Ham, I'd be looking to get a striker in. If I was Everton, I'd be looking to get a striker in. Um Less so than West Ham because Richarlison can play up there. But uh, <clears throat> if they obviously they've loaned out Moise Keane to PSG at the start of the season. They've loaned out Sims, the kid, Ella Sims, who's been banging goals in and uh, the reserves and in the under 18s. Uh, he's gone to Blackpool. Uh, they're about to uh, let go of Cheng Tosin, who's been the backup option. So he's about to go back to Besiktas, which, to be honest, is no real loss to Everton. He's, he's uh, doesn't really bring a lot. You're not so, going to lose any sleep on that then? No, exactly, to be honest. And, um, it's a good move for him. Um, initially on loan, hopefully they take him permanently. If they do, I'll drive him to the airport. But yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, Everton could do with a striker. Um, yeah, and there's, there's a few teams out there that could do with business. I mean, there's not many that, that don't need anyone, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Southampton, Joe, Southampton, your team. Yeah. I mean, Southampton <laughs> are desperate just for numbers, never mind. Quality, just numbers in general. Because you know, their, their bench is full of kids. A lot of them are making the debuts every single week. And 
you know. Yeah, and I mean, have... the amount of injuries that Southampton have got at the minute is is quite alarming, really. Diallo and Walcott went off on the weekend. Um, and yeah, Walker Peters was out. Uh, we've had Romeo out, Vestergaard's been out. Uh, so yeah, uh, Southampton desperate need of bodies. They were Danny Ings, at... Danny Ings missed part of the season. Yeah, You've got exactly. um, uh, Bertrand's been injured as well, hasn't he? So you know Southampton really have struggled with injuries. Even McCarthy missed you know a game a couple of games ago. Fraser Forster playing against Liverpool. So yeah, Southampton just need numbers. They're desperate, absolutely desperate to get some yeah, numbers. It, 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 do, it doesn't look like it at the minute. I mean, uh, they were looking at Josh King before a potential swap deal with Shane Long. Um, which is interesting. Um, and looking at Maitland-Niles as well, he's gone to West Brom. So, yeah, it's uh, concerning for, for Southampton that unfortunately this, this brilliant start to the season might just, might just catch up with them. And that. But uh, I, I did half fear that at, at, the, at the start of the season. Um, I wanted to quickly mention a couple. Uh, Joe Willock potentially going to yeah. uh, Newcastle. Uh, I, I don't know about you, lads, but I've been really impressed with him when he's been played in the... Uh, in the Europa League. I've watched him a couple of times. I've, I've been impressed. I, I, I think he'd, he'd add a bit of creativity to Newcastle. And then Fulham are looking at a striker. Obviously, Mitrovic uh, is clearly not in Scott Parker's plans, but they're looking at the former Sunderland striker, Josh Madger, um, who did all right, as we remember in the, uh, in the old documentary. But um, could he cut it in the Premier League? Uh, Josh Madger. I mean, obviously, he did quite well, actually, for uh, Bordeaux, didn't he, last year? But this year, I think he's only scored twice. So, um, I don't think he's going to be the guy to fire him towards safety, if I'm honest. Uh, obviously, Alexander Mitrovic has been struggling for a little bit of form. But uh, Fulham... I mean, Fulham have also made an approach for, for um, King as well, from Bournemouth. Yeah. That could be a signing Fulham can make. Yeah, yeah that, the, I think that's the most likely destination yeah, for Josh King. King, being honest, Fulham. But... Yeah, they they do they could do with a striker, being honest. I mean, they've been playing Cavalier through the middle, haven't they? And I mean, he scored goals. Um, you know, their main threat really has been Adam Ola Luckman, hasn't he? Um, going forward, so they could do with a striker who, who can score goals. Um, but yeah, as uh, so, you say, there's there's a couple of players. I mean, Billy Gilmore, Joe, is someone who I'm interested to see what happens with him. Obviously, the, the speculation. Chelsea, yeah. Speculations that he's going to leave on loan. I mean, listen, I'd have Billy Gilmore ever in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? Right. I mean you know, Absolutely tremendous talent, him. He bossed the game against Everton last year, bossed against Liverpool. So Liverpool, yeah. I, I'd take I'd take him all day at Everton. And I put him, you know, I'd probably give him the armband as well while I'm there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd certainly take him at Southampton. I don't know what other other teams he wouldn't get into, to be fair. Um, very, very Joe, good. Joe, there's, Joe, there's been some breaking news. West Brom have brought in Celta Vigo midfielder OK Yulsu. 26 online until the end of the season. So that's the latest oh, signing from Absolutely superb. We, we love to announce West Brom random signings on the Match Their Fan <laughs> podcast. That is absolutely superb scenes. Uh, that's the... <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Excellent stuff. That's what We'll see what uh, the other clubs will do. And on the next one, we can see uh, what... Um, what business everyone's done, but it'll be interesting the last few hours and uh, uh, it's going to be some squeaky bum time for most of the chairman out there. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. Moving on then to talk about what we should have been talking about on this podcast, and that's this weekend's uh, this uh, midweek's fixtures then, and uh, the old prediction time again. And uh, we're going to start with the first game, which is Sheffield United against West Brom. Now, uh, relegation six-pointer, or both of them are already gone. I think this could be. I think this will be a, a, a boring game, if I'm honest with you. I think it'll be a scoreboard nil-nil. At... I just don't see goals coming from from either of them, so I'm going to go for nil nil. Uh, oh, I mean, I like your optimism there, Val. Um, to be honest, uh, yeah, I I'll be honest. I fancy Sheffield United to win this. Um, I think the tails are up a little bit. Um, obviously, got a good result against Manchester United. Listen, to only go to Man City and get beat one nil. You know what I mean? Man City have been playing really really well. The tails are up. I fancy them to turn West Brom over. Um, I think they'll win. Probably 
don't fancy there to be a lot of goals, to be honest, but I think they'll win. I think it'll be 1 0. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. John Fleck should have really nearly scored. Good, good chance that wasn't a good opportunity. Right at the, right at the end, and they, they, they pumped it long, and City were, were under a little bit of pressure at the end there with uh, balls up to McBurney and Billy Sharp. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Sheffield United won West Brom 0, and Big Sam's be sacked on Monday. <laughs> uh, next one is Wolves against <clears throat> Arsenal. Sam? That's the side with Arsenal. I really am. Um, obviously, Arsenal have got a few injuries now. You know, we were talking about injuries um, for Southampton and a few of the other clubs. You know, Arsenal are missing Saka at the weekend. Obviously, um, Aubameyang still missing. Uh, Tierney's missing. So, got a few injuries themselves, Arsenal. But I still fancy them to get the job done. I think they'll, they'll beat Wolves. You know, Wolves are struggling to score goals and leaking the odds couple at the back. So, yeah, I'm going to go Arsenal. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2 0 Arsenal. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it will be an Arsenal win, considering the, the latest form of, of both clubs. It's, it's got to be an Arsenal win, in, even though they are, like, like Sam said, they've had their injuries. I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. I'm going to go for a 3 0. Bold, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to go Wolves 0, Arsenal 2. Yeah, agreed. Joe, uh, if you fancy picking another scoreline, that's not my tip, yeah, then that'd be I can, great. I can, I, can, I can share my screen with you and you can see what I put down. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've got Southampton up next. Away at Manchester United. Go on, Bal. Uh, t- considering the, the, they're, they're at Old Trafford, I know the fans are not there, so they haven't got the 12th man, but it's got to be a Man United win for me. Let's go for... I'm going to go for 2-1 to United. Joe, do you know what? I've got two predictions in mind, right? And I know I'm only allowed one. But my predictions are based on the fact that whether Southampton can get a few of their players back. If they can get Carl Walker-Peters back, get Ward-Prowse back into midfield, um, I would fancy Southampton to take something from the game. If they don't, then uh, I feel like Man United will turn them over. Uh, obviously, how, how severe, do you know how severe the injuries are, Joe, to Walcott and to... Um, Diallo. Uh, well, I, I think Walcott's out for a couple of weeks. Diallo, I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, it depends who comes into a place. Walcott, I'd imagine Che Adams will probably come back in. Uh, listen, if they get Walker Peters back, I'm going to go for the draw, one all. Um, if they don't, I'm going to say United two nil. Uh, and because I, I feel like Walker Peters might not be back, I'm going to go two nil Manchester United. But I'm only saying that joke because of injuries. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I've got a narrow Man United win, 2-1 down. I think they'll um, just be uh, just be too much to... Uh, Southampton will be plucky, but eventually unlucky, I think. Uh, on to the next one. Newcastle against Crystal Palace, another corker. Oof, I mean, you know, we're being treated here, aren't we, on Match FM for some of these games? <laughs> uh, Newcastle versus Crystal Palace. Uh Newcastle will have the tails up, obviously, for a minute at the weekend. Crystal Palace will have their tails up for a minute at the weekend. Both cancel each other. I'll stink the gaff out. Nil-nil. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Sam. I think after the confidence they got from the Everton win, I reckon Newcastle might, might nick this one. And I think, they win. I think they'll win 1-0. I'm with Balve. 1-0 Newcastle. Stinks of it. Can't wait um, Matthew 2 when Zaha scores. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Burnley take on uh, Manchester City now uh, will Burnley score a goal Ooh. Oh, go on, you <laughs> go that, first <laughs> you're not even asking for the score, for the score like, <laughs> no I, definitely not no I think Manchester City are just the quality the forward the attacking the defending I think they'll be too strong for Burnley and I think it might be a little bit of a rout I think that they're just going to play Burnley off the park and I think City are going to win 4-0. Um, I think it'll be 2-0 Man City for mm. you still with Thunder. Uh, I, I think Burnley will score. I think it'll be 3-1. Um, but yeah, then again, well, Chris, Chris will get injured yesterday. You know what I mean? It's like, everyone's dropping like flies, aren't they? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 Manchester City. Stick my neck on the line and say Burnley might score. Fair play. Um, Fulham against Leicester is the next one. Right. Could do with a win. 
yeah, they could. And I fancy Fulham to take something from the game. Um, I'm not sure they'll, they'll do enough to win, being honest. But uh, I do think they'll take something. I, I think it'll be 1-1. Uh, I, I think I want to go for a Leicester win on this one. They're, they're, away, from, they're away from home. And I think they'll, they'll want to bounce back and try and stay in the top four as much as they can. And I think they'll be... I know Vardy's injured, which is a massive, massive loss for him. But I'm still going to go for a... Let's go for a 1-0 win to, to Leicester City. Yeah, I'm getting to the point now with Fulham where I really like them. I really like how they're playing, but they're just, they're just not picking up that win that they need. And as long as it goes on, it's going to be harder for them to get that win. So, sadly, I'm going to predict Leicester to win uh, 2-1, I think. Uh, <laughs> Leeds against Everton. Wow. Uh, I'll let you boys go first for this. <laughs> well, Sam, Sam being the Everton fan, my, my heart wants to say 20-0 to Leeds. But but we won't go for that, Sam. Um, I I think I think it'll be a draw if I'm listening if I'm listening to my head, and I think it'll be I think it'll be high scoring. But I do think it'll be a draw, and I'm going to go for a two-two at Elland Road. Uh, do I have to say what I think? No, <laughs> <laughs> being honest, it's probably the same as what I think. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't think it is. Um, I, th- I I actually fancy that this game might suit Everton. I think they're going to nick it 1-0. I think they're going to sit in, be hard to beat. Uh, Leeds will have a load of chances and uh, they'll do them with a set piece or a, a breakaway goal and it'll be a classic 1-0 Everton. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, listen, if you were to give me another tenner, I would quite happily back Everton to not keep a clean sheet tomorrow and put my whole house on it. Never mind the tenner. Um, it's just, you know... Everton won't keep a clean sheet tomorrow night. There's no trade about it. Um, listen, I could, I can see a game where it suits Everton and Everton coming away and winning 2-1 or maybe even getting a draw out of it or something like that. I just don't see how we, do, we don't keep the ball out of the back of the net. That's the only problem. Um, I, I do fancy Everton to make a couple of changes. I think they will drop Pickford tomorrow. I don't know why, even though even though uh, he was okay at the weekend. I just think that this is the game where you're going to bring Olsen in. Um... I think he'll revert back to Mason Holgate playing at right back as well. Um, Godfrey playing left back and he'll put Dean back into left midfield. So, yeah, um, I do think they'll be more solid, harder to beat. But I do think the best Everton can hope for is a draw, really. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. Next one is a very interesting one. Aston Villa against uh, West Ham. You remember the reverse fixture. uh, Ollie Watkins was denied right of death with a ridiculous goal as Southampton were against Aston Villa uh, on the weekend but uh, two teams bang in form it, uh, Joe I yeah, hope no, you're not, are... sorry sorry Bal just before you start I hope you're not insinuating that Southampton's goal was onside uh, well I mean from the <laughs> there was the clearly old... a sleeve offside there yeah I mean from from the from the VAR picture uh, when I first saw it I mean it looked onside to me, and I did. I did go absolutely mental in my front room, and then it was. Yeah. yeah the way was, I see it, Joe, if Marnie's is offside, and the Southampton ones is offside. Eh, so was it Marnie's goal? No, not Marnie. Uh, Henderson's goal for Liverpool against Everton. If that's offside, then the Southampton one's offside, and the Henderson one is most definitely offside. So the Southampton one has to be offside. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it's got to be consistent with the rules, doesn't it? Yeah. Villa. The West Ham. Let's go for both teams are banging form. Let's go for. I'm thinking. I don't know. My intuition is saying a Villa win up at, up at Villa Park. So I'm going to go for a three-two win. Let's make a high-scoring game. Let's make it three-two to Villa. Sam, I fancy West Ham to bounce back. I think this game's set up nicely for David Moyes. Um, Villa obviously have changed the way they play over the last. You know. Uh, six months or so they've gone to more of a counter-attacking outfit West Ham are most definitely a counter-attacking outfit and I just feel like West Ham are probably a more powerful outfit than, uh, than Aston Villa you know they've got different weapons uh, the likes of Suchek in the air they've got uh, Jared Bowen who will run all day for you put the ball in the box they've got Antonio who's big, strong, powerful can get in behind as well I just think they've got a few more weapons obviously Villa good side Jack Grealish great player Ross Barkley's scored the weekend he's back from injury but 
yeah, I just found West Ham are strong at the back, and I fancy them to get back to winning ways, to be honest with you. I fancy them to turn Villa over, and uh, yeah, I can see a 1 0 West Ham away win. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put anyone off any prediction here. I think this is the hardest game to look, and I've ended up siding with Villa 2 1. Um, uh, it's really it's really hard to not back against Villa at the minute. They're, they're just churning out results and they're just a proper proper team. Like, uh, yeah, I, I I think Villa might just win two one. But again, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was a West Ham win either. Um, Liverpool Brighton. I'll let you boys go first on this one. I've got Liverpool two nil. Uh, won't be. Won't be an annihilation because I think Brighton are solid, uh, but Liverpool have too much. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one, Joel. I think it'll be 2 0 myself. I think Liverpool will uh, eventually turn them over. I think they might struggle for the first half an hour, 40 minutes, and then as soon as the first goal goes in, they'll go into total dominance and control, start creating chances. And uh, yeah, I think they'll get the second goal uh, in the second half, so tie the game up. Um, yeah, I do fancy Brighton to have a little bit of the ball, though, to be honest with you. Um, more so than what, say, some of the other teams do at Anfield. Brighton are quite good in possession. So, um, yeah, I, I do feel like Liverpool will win the game and I think they'll win it comfortably. Um, but fancy Brighton to give a good account of themselves. 2-0 Liverpool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Liverpool, anything apart from a, a Liverpool win is, is, it has to be a Liverpool win. Yeah, we have to keep pressure on the top teams in the league. And I think I'm going to make it unanimous with you two and say, and say 2-0. And uh, finally, Tottenham against Chelsea, which is the Thursday night match. Joe, you go first on this. I'm interested. 1-1. Uh, no real uh, reason. Um, I think Tottenham without Kane are struggling. Uh, Chelsea, I don't think there's been enough time for Tuchel to produce a tactical masterclass as Frank did in this fixture last season at White Hart Lane I'm going to go nil-nil ball draw I'm, I'm going to have to go for a Chelsea win on this one I think it is a, it is a London derby but I think I'm going to have to go for a Chelsea win I'm going to go for let's go for a 2-1 to, to Chelsea Excellent. Those are this week's losing predictions then and uh... <laughs> don't listen to us at all but uh, yeah, that was uh, the Prem Talk for another week. And uh, always a pleasure, pleasure chatting uh, to the lads. Um, and uh, the lads, uh, I don't know, will be back on, uh, on Friday, but we'll, we'll see uh, for some more Premier League um, and uh, some more Matched FM content. So uh, stay tuned and uh, stay safe. So uh, we'll see you all later on. Thank you.